Hello and welcome to the Monroe Method Clancast. I am Jason Monroe and this is episode 21. And it's 2023, so happy new year. I've not done this since the 21st of November or something, and there's a good reason for that. I have not had the house to myself since the 23rd of November, I think, round about there, um, because I had one son off from nursery sick. That soon turned into two sons, and then it alternated between the two of them. So the two of them were off more often than not. One went back for a couple of days and then was off again with another sickness. Same with the other one. The days that they did go back to school, there was like six people in their class because it wasn't just limited to us. Illness was rife over winter. Then it was the school holidays. My wife was off. And then this week, on the 9th, was Monday the 9th? No, yep, Monday the 9th of January. They went back. Two went back to school. Wife went back to work. And then Tuesday... There was a teacher strike, which I am all for, by the way. I hope you get everything that you want and more. Um, but there was a teacher strike, so they were off again. But from Wednesday, from Wednesday, they have been back. This is day three. And I thought I would record this episode before I go pick up the little darlings for the weekend. Right, today we are, well, we are talking about, I am going to be talking about sobriety and my reasons for choosing sobriety. Um, because it might help some people. I've been asked to speak at something at the end of the month, so I'm speaking at a thing called Sober Buzz on the last Saturday of the month. Um, I'll explain more about that and how that came about, but it's basically uh, it's an event for the sober or the sober curious. Uh, I have been asked alongside someone else to go along and just speak for 10, 15 minutes and just share my story. And that's why I'm talking about it today, because this is a good practice run for what I'm going to talk about. So uh, this is still very new to me. It's still something I'm figuring out. It's still something I'm exploring. Um, so I'm hoping that this podcast episode is going to be quite therapeutic for me and help me get my thoughts down and talk a bit more about things and bring it into the open. It's it's been a very personal decision, or it was initially. I mean, I didn't even tell my wife. I didn't tell her until I was like two months in to my decision. You know, I, I, yeah, I did keep it a secret. I was going to say it's not that I kept it a secret. I didn't intentionally keep it a secret. I, it was just I wanted to to have it for me first to figure it out before sharing it with anyone really you know it started off it was quite a personal and private thing that took a lot of thought and consideration and then it was a big decision to make I didn't ever think that I wasn't going to do it or I wasn't going to stick to it I just wanted time to understand it anyway let's start from the beginning what is sobriety if if someone you know if, if you offer someone a drink and they say oh no thank you I'm sober what's the first thing that you think this person either is or used to be a raging alcoholic, and that's not the case. Sobriety, by definition, is the state of being sober. So the state of being sober, as in not under the influence of alcohol or drugs, the state of being sober, not being drunk. Sobriety is just the state of being sober, right? The, the absence of alcohol. Now, some people choose lifelong sobriety. 
believe it or not. I know it's it's very hard for people to believe. It would have been hard for me to believe until I decided to do this and I really started dipping into it. But just take a moment to think about this, right? Why is it that intoxication, frequent intoxication, is widely accepted as the norm? Not widely accepted even. It's seen as the norm. People who don't drink are seen as the strange ones, especially in Scotland. But do you not think that's wild? That alcohol is normality. Regular intoxication, getting drunk, reducing your inhibitions, impairing your decision-making processes, and all the other things that alcohol leads to, you know, arguments, fights, like I said, bad decisions, takeaways, overeating, hangovers, all that stuff, right? Everything associated with alcohol. That's normality. That's the bar. That's where the bar's set. Some people take it too far. Some people choose not to do it at all. But the people that choose not to do it at all, you know, that it's not that not drinking is the norm and then there are people that choose to drink. It's that drinking is the norm and then there are people that choose not to drink. That's wild. And I have never thought about it like that before until I made this decision. So there's a lot of stigma surrounding the word sobriety and being sober. So this thing that I'm speaking at at the end of the month, the story that I'm sharing is going to be that you do not need to be someone with an alcohol problem. You don't even need to be someone that drinks a lot to decide that you want to no longer drink. For me, it was just a bit of a life assessment. So like my history with alcohol is not a a pleasant one. Every bad thing that's ever happened to me in my life has probably happened under the influence. Fights that I've been in. I'm 37 now and I'm going back to my 20s here, so don't judge me. (laughs) Don't, Don't judge present me against past me, but fights, anything on my criminal record at the very worst is... um. Not breach of the peace. What's the other one? Drunken disorderly, maybe? Whatever it is. We're going back well over a decade at this point. Well over 15 years, in fact. Um, I have been attacked twice, which I'm sure I was not completely innocent of. Uh, But there was a time where someone, where I think I was, yeah, I was rude to someone, but then that someone came back with a bottle and smacked me over the face with it. Um... What else? Anyway, it's a colourful history, right? Not not anything massively outside of what I would say that most scallywags, tearaways get up to when it comes to alcohol, right? But that that all pretty much changed when I got into my 30s, even more so when my first son was born almost eight years ago, or when my wife was pregnant with him over nine years ago. Um... Things were very different and alcohol just became, it was still a regular feature in terms of big drinking occasions, but as we get older, as kids get older, as second kids come along, big drinking occasions just become less and less. They still happen, they just become less frequent. And more recently, over the last two years, alcohol has basically been big drinking occasions. I can count on one hand, maybe New Year. We had a, usually have a Christmas night out and then we'll maybe have the group of friends and friends through my wife that we're in. We're all, they're all kind of hitting their 40s now. So the last few years, 
we've had the big 40th occasion, so my wife's big 40th, her friend's big 40th, we were just down in Liverpool for another one's 40th recently. Things like that, right? So big drinking occasions plus the Formula One. So any Sunday that there was a Formula One race on, my tradition would be to get four cans of Brewdog, just four small 330 mils, and that would be my limit. Strong enough stuff to get you merry, but not go too far with it and not get you drunk, is what I mean. Um, and that was it, right? I have, I'm, I'm not a weekend binge drinker. I don't drink wine. I don't drink or I didn't drink through the week. Um, I didn't get drunk in front of the kids. Didn't drink in front of the kids generally, apart from those few beers on the Sunday. Yeah, over the last two to three years, it had it had tapered off a great, a great deal. Um, but still having those big drinking occasions and still having those big hangovers. On the 11th of September, it was the Italian Grand Prix. So I had my usual four beers. And then with, if you remember, the situation that was going on in Russia last year, still is, but it kicked off last year. Um, they cancelled the Russian Grand Prix as a result of that. And that meant there was a three-week break in the race calendar before the Singapore Grand Prix, whatever three weeks, whatever three Sundays after September the 11th was. Um I'm looking now, 11th, September, yes, that was Sunday the 11th, and then 1, 2, 3, the next race was on the 2nd of October, cool. Within that three weeks, at some point, I don't remember when, I don't remember how it came about, but I remember it was within that three weeks, I decided that I didn't want to drink anymore, and not just you know, reduce it to a couple of times or stop drinking, watching the F1 or not drink in company or whatever it was, it was, I'm going to remove this entirely. Why I did it at that time? I think it's a combination of things. I think that three-week gap in the race calendar helped. But also, the people I'd been spending time with and people I had been meeting. So through my meditation teacher, Cam, at Cam Cooney on Instagram, First of all, he's sober and has been for a number of years, which I think started me down the path of, I mean, I think we've all thought about giving up alcohol at some point. I'm sure we've been, we've all been lying, absolutely dying with a hangover, wondering why do we keep doing this to ourselves before doing it again the week later or a couple of weeks later. We all think about it at some point, but I had been thinking about it more and more recently and this three-week break, the people I've been spending time with, the community that I found through CAM, uh, it introduced me to a guy, well, a group called the Max Colby Recovery Group. A group of people getting up early on Sundays, going to different waterfalls and hills and going for a walk, having talks, jumping in cold water at the end of it. I'd done that in a couple of times, speaking to people who were sober, who who were, some some of them were recovering, Alcohol, alcoholics and addicts who were going through the 12-step program and stuff. Um, And then there was a rooftop meditation that I did in July with Cam. And I started following a few different people then as well. One of them was a sobriety coach, Kirsty Mokahi, or Kirsty at Sky Rose Coaching on Instagram. And... Following these people, spending time with these people, having conversations, learning more and more about sobriety, 
one day within that three week period, I took a look at my life, took a look at myself and I asked the question, what am I getting from alcohol? Is alcohol giving me more than it's taking away? So, like I said, drinking is the norm. The consumption of alcohol is the normal baseline by which we measure people against. And it's it's just something that we're all brought up to believe. You know, you count down the days until you hit 18 when you can do it legally. Um, You count down the days until you can start going out and up the town and whatever. And anytime you do hear about anyone that doesn't drink or doesn't go out or whatever, you, you... Especially when I was younger, you just thought that they were weirdos. I'm actually cringing right now because I think about... So when I went to one of my first conferences when I was training as a nutritionist, I met a guy there. Um, And I asked him if I wanted to drink. Met him, so yeah, I'm going to the bar, would you like a drink? Oh, I don't drink. And I, I remember this shock and surprise and, oh, you don't drink, not at all. And I made such a deal of it and all I can think about is how much of a dick I must have seemed. I mean, he was probably used to, sure he got it all the time, but that doesn't make it any, that doesn't, that's not an excuse. Because now that I know more about it and I understand it more, I just I cringe when I think about it. But anyway, back to the point. I asked the question, is alcohol giving me more than it's taking away? So what does alcohol give you? A little bit of fun, a little bit of a buzz, three or four hours of merriness, a bit of a detachment from reality. It might ease some anxiety. It might make some stress go away. But it's only temporary relief, isn't it? What does it take away? It takes away sleep because you don't sleep properly under the influence of alcohol. It takes away time. That's the biggest one for me. You know, I thought about, I cast my mind back over the years. How much time have hangovers stolen from me? How much, now I'm someone that if I drink to a certain level, my memory goes very sketchy, right? I know people that remember absolutely everything, no matter how drunk they get. I'm not one of those people. So I think, how many memories has alcohol stolen from me? Because you try to convince yourself that you're having a good time, you're making memories and all that stuff, but you're only making memories if you can remember them. You're only having a good time if you can remember it. So yeah, then I looked at all the stuff it took away. So, so much time stolen, so much money stolen, so much time wasted on hangovers, so much time wasted on treating my body poorly, wasting an entire Sunday lying on a couch because of how I was, because of what I do to myself with alcohol. So I thought all the way back and I was like, do you know what? Even... Going back to like in my 20s when I was going to holidays on Magaluf and all that. And yes, it might have been a good time, but was it a good time because of the alcohol? Probably not. Would you have a better, would you have had a better time if you hadn't drank? Almost definitely. Now I can say that now, at the time, 20 year old me would have probably hated every minute of it, seeing everybody around me drinking and me not being. But when you think back with hindsight, the wonderful thing that it is. You know, at 37 years old, I can look back now and say with confidence that alcohol has taken away, stolen, in fact, far more than it's ever given me. Those three hours of merriment, 
on a Friday night or four hours, whatever, is not worth the 24 hours of feeling like shit, feeling tired, feeling run down, not wanting to move, just wanting to, you know, counting down the minutes until the Chinese opens. The anxiety, my God. I had my first panic attack. My first ever panic attack during a hangover. Now, that I thought about that so much over the last while because one of the things that I did, so like four weeks into my decision to, to go sober, Kirsty, that I mentioned, she has a 30-day, well, it's called the 30-day AFIT challenge. That's Scottish for off it, off the alcohol. Um, and I bought her workbook, not because I wanted to do a 30-day challenge, because I wanted to use the 30 days to explore my relationship with alcohol, and it was wonderful. It really made me question it. Some days, went, some things weren't applicable, but the majority of it was. And one of the things that came up, or one of the memories that came up that I really picked apart was this panic attack. And now it, it happened. it's happened a few times since then. Um, most of them during hangovers. You know, and I just stopped and questioned it. I was like, my first panic attack happened during a hangover. I gave myself that hangover. I did that to myself. So I think at the time, I was going through massive amounts of stress in relation to the... Do you know what? I think the first panic attack I had was at the start of lockdown. Because lockdown got announced and hundreds of people, like the business was growing tremendously from 2018, 2019, the beginning of 2020, things were going great. And then that first lockdown happened and people shit themselves, basically. They panic cancelled every single direct debit that they had and I lost 200 members inside Monroe over a week. And it was a worrying time. It bounced back again once people realised that um, this was going to be normality for a long time. And, you know, remember, we all thought, yeah, it's going to be over in a week, a couple of weeks, we'll be back to normal again. By the time people got used to the idea and into it a few months, it bounced back again. But I remember during that initial time, me getting to the end of a week and being like, oh my God, I need a drink this week. It's been a terrible week. And then waking up. And I had already been worried and anxious and then I'd had a drink, which gave me some temporary relief from that. But the hangover just unlocked this new level of anxiety. And I lay in bed, hyperventilating, not knowing what the fuck was going on. And it wasn't until I'd came out of this panic attack a few hours later, I'm like, Jesus Christ, that was a panic attack. I just had an actual panic attack. I had never had one in my life before. Until the start of lockdown. April 2020. I mean, there was other things going on. We'd been made homeless. We'd moved out our flat. We were meant to move into this house that I'm sitting in just now, the week later. So we moved out on the Thursday. Lockdown happened on the Monday. And what was supposed to be a week's stay with the in-laws, cosy in their their, uh, bungalow, ended up five months. So that was going on you know, sleeping arrangements for the kids, everybody being off, me still having to work, still having to run a business, which people were shitting themselves from and cancelling all their direct debits and all the rest of it. I was a, I was a panic attack waiting to happen. 
But again, like I say, I did that to myself. That panic, that panic attack would not have happened had I not chosen to drink during that time of extreme stress. So that was a choice. Like I didn't choose for the panic attack to happen, but I set it up basically. Um, and yeah, that's just one of many memories that have cropped up. Like the, the other thing that as well is, and I spoke to Kirsty about this. At 37 years old, right, I have loads of, of memories and I have lots of negative memories. I have lots of negative things, things that I've done, thing that, things that I've said, perhaps other situations that I've been involved in or gotten involved in. You know what it's like when people start arguing when they're drunk and it ruins the night and then everybody ends up arguing and just becomes this horrible stain on the night. And I was thinking about all those occasions and... I, I will frequent, frequently stand in the shower and I'll be standing washing myself in the shower and some ridiculous memory from 2010 will pop into my head and I will physically cringe and flinch at the memory of it to the point where I'll, I'll speak out vocally and go, oh my God, because I just need to get the the embarrassment and the the cringe out of me and it's like it's i am reliving a memory from the past today and i have a fucking backlog of these things right i could live any of them at any time i have some recent ones not as many recent ones they are more older as I say, I've not drank as much recently, but I still have some recent ones and I still think about them and I still, usually in the shower or when I'm driving around, just when my brain's kind of relaxed and not thinking about too much, one of them will just surface and I'll go, oh, I can't believe I said that or I can't believe I've done that or God, that was awful. How cringy. Part of choosing sobriety is choosing to never have to do that ever again. So I can't change all the memories that I have. I can't change that some of them come to the surface and I can't change that I physically outwardly cringe at them and I'm vocal and I only do it in private. Like it's in the shower most of the time or in the car, like, ah, just to help me get over that initial pain of, oh God, I can't believe that happened. Um, part of choosing sobriety is knowing that that's never, ever going to happen ever again. Part of choosing sobriety is knowing that I will never have a hangover ever again. I will never have anxiety ever again. I will never waste a Saturday or a Sunday or a Monday rolling about in bed, rolling about on a couch. I will never make terrible decisions under the influence of alcohol. I will never say stupid things under the influence of alcohol. I will never have a terrible night's sleep because of alcohol. I will never be sick. All that kind of stuff, right? It's not that you're choosing not to drink. It's not that you're choosing not to partake in alcohol. It's that you're choosing. You're choosing what the, what alcohol leads to. Or you're choosing not to experience what alcohol leads to. And that's why I'm stopping. That's why I have stopped. So that was the 11th of September was my last ever drink. The 12th of September, I suppose, was my first day of sobriety. Perhaps not my first intentional day, but it was the first day where... I didn't drink. And it is going absolutely brilliantly. Now, I can imagine it might feel difficult. And this is one of those things where 
you either want to do it or you don't. I don't, I don't want to, for me anyway, right, from my standpoint, if I at any point wanted to drink alcohol, then I would take that to mean that I don't really want to give up. If at any point, if I did have a drink, I would just see that as a complete failure, not something to get back on track with or anything like that. If this, for me, at any point, felt like something that I was going to be on track or off track with, then it would be a waste of time. It would lose its purpose and it would lose its value. Um, and I, I associate it very much towards weight loss, right? So if if someone's going on track and on track with their, with their weight all the time, right? They like the idea of losing weight, but they also enjoy doing the things that led to weight loss more. So yeah, they can do that for a bit, but then they come back to eating or drinking like this. And then they go back to weight loss for a bit and they bounce around, right? The way that I feel about what I'm doing with sobriety is I at no point have ever thought about having a drink. I've I've drank loads, non-alcohol stuff. God, I went, I I had this little um, honeymoon period where I've got a fridge in the garage that we put juice and it's got an extra freezer for, just to have an extra freezer basically. Um... And it's full of juice. It was full of beer from September right through to January. I've let it run out now because I was kicking the arse out of it. <laughs> when I say kicking the arse out of it, I'm just thinking of the liquid calories I've been consuming. See, my thing is I really love the taste of beer. And being able to now drink beer and not get drunk as a result of it, it was such a novelty. It's wore off a bit. Um... Although my wife did manage to find me alcohol-free Stella yesterday in Aldi, which I'm over the moon about. I could not find it anywhere. I tried it in a Wotherspoons just before Christmas, and it was the best one of all the ones that I've tried so far. Um, So I've got that to look forward to this weekend. But yeah, I have at no point battled with the urge or battled with the idea of being on a 40th birthday weekend to Liverpool, we got the bus down, everybody was drinking on the bus, everybody was pissed for the full three days, except me. I was the one, the only one out of ten that wasn't drinking, five couples in a Big Brother style apartment. And it was honestly, I had the best time. The absolute best time. I made great memories, I had a fantastic time, I had so much fun. And I think I had, I think that was even more so because I didn't drink. I would, in the past, I would have both, I said this to Claire before we went, said in the past, I would have both been really looking forward to this weekend away, especially as I'd never been to Liverpool before, but I would also be really anxious and worried about it. So really looking forward to getting away, really looking forward to having the kids looked after for a weekend, which is rare, spending time with new people, going to a new place, all of that would have been appealing, however... I would have been worried about the alcohol side of it. I would have been anxious about the hangovers. And when I was there, I would have wanted to continue to drink to overcome the anxiety. And it would have been fine because that's the environment we would have been in because everyone would be drinking. But then I know when I come back, I would have been hating myself probably right through to the following weekend until I had fully recovered from it. And it's mad now to think how many things I've been to, how many nights out I've had, how many weekends away I've had, where I've chosen to put myself through that anyway. Because that was the norm, because that's just what you did, that's what everyone did. 
I don't often regret things, but I regret not stopping sooner. However, when I've done it was probably the right time, right? Things just fell into alignment. The stars aligned. That break in the F1, the Russian Grand Prix being cancelled, the people that I'd been spending time with, the the content I'd been filling my timeline with because I'd been following these different people. I had been thinking about it in the past. It's something I'd thought about doing but never followed through on, but something was different this time and I did it. So I'm very, I'm very conscious of not telling people and not preaching to people, but sharing your own stories, sharing your own reasons, talking about it and sharing things so that people can say, do you know what, you're having the exact same thoughts that I'm having. I've thought like that as well. And maybe people thinking that, do you know what, I've had panic attacks during hangovers as well, but I've never really thought about it from the, the angle that I'm doing that to myself. I'm choosing to do that. I'm choosing to put myself in that position and expose myself to that to that happening. But yeah, isn't it funny that we live in a world where frequent intoxication is normal. That's the bar by which we measure everything else against rather than drinking being something you either do or don't do rather than not drinking being the thing you you do or don't do. So yeah, I'm speaking at this thing at the end of the month. Um, you can Google it, Sober Buzz event. It comes up pretty much straight away on Google. Um, and yeah, I look forward to sharing sharing these thoughts there. One last thing, right? One last thing. I have had over the years. I've been. I've had CBT. I've had counselling. I took myself to therapy in 2020. Actually, when I was having those panic attacks. I've done meditation, I've done cold water therapy, I've read all the self-help books, I've done the journaling, I've done everything. And what I've come to realise is that if you have a poor relationship with alcohol, and many people have a poor relationship and don't realise it, I didn't realise it, not until I've done this kind of self-analysis and this kind of looking back and thinking, is it giving you as much as you think it is or is it taking away more? But all that stuff you do, anything that you try to do to your well-being, meditation, reading, journaling, all that stuff, if you have a poor relationship with alcohol, that is going to blow out the water every single time. No amount of meditation is going to get you out of a panic attack forced upon yourself by a hangover. No amount of calm, and this was me, like during that first panic attack, I had the calm app on listening to guided meditations and sleep stories and trying to calm myself down. Like, <laughs> the these things, meditation, reading, journaling, if you imagine those as having like a 2 to 3% effect on you, yes, they're positive and if you practice them consistently, they can have a good impact and they'll all add up together and maybe improve your life a bit by a percentage. If those things are adding 2 to 3%, a positive 2 to 3% on, alcohol's taken a negative 50% off and it will smash all that positive stuff out of the water. And I've realised now that it doesn't matter how much you do with exercise, eating, working on your mental health, anything like that. If you are frequently putting yourself through, you know, big drinking occasions and the, the... 
the, the hangover that follows and all the negative things attached to that hangover, then you'll never, you'll never be able to to improve or fully experience the benefits of these things that you're doing. Do you know, it's just the same as, so like when I'm coaching someone and helping them lose weight, someone can Im- increase the vegetables in their diet, they can reduce the calories, they can eat less chocolate, eat less crisps, move a little more, they can do all that stuff, right? If they have a poor relationship with food, all of that stuff is pointless, all of that stuff is temporary, Because if they have a poor relationship with food and they continue to emotionally eat or they continue to binge eat and they continue to be unkind to themselves, all that time that they've spent working on losing weight and managing their calories and all the rest of it, it didn't matter because it was 2 and 3% of the equation and the relationship with food was 50% of the equation. So I think I think that being a coach and being a nutritionist, I've, I've drawn a lot of similarities between um, weight loss and fat loss and the things I help people with and pretty much how alcohol can stop us from becoming that improved version of ourselves. Because like no matter how much of the, all the other stuff you do, the mindfulness, the meditation yoga, going to the gym, you know, eating a healthy, balanced diet, all of that. If you continue, if you continue to use, like there are people who drink alcohol and enjoy it. There are people who have a glass of red wine with their dinner. That's all they have. They're not getting drunk. They're not getting merry. It's used to complement the flavor, whatever. That's different. That's a positive relationship with alcohol. But if you are frequently drinking in an attempt to change your mental state, to alter your reality, to take a break from reality, to manage your stress, to take a break from your mental health, anything like that, then you are probably using alcohol for the wrong reasons. But anyway, if you've listened to this, you are either sober or sober curious. Um, If you are sober curious, I would encourage you to give Kirsty a follow. I'll put her name and Cam's name in the description of this episode. And if you would ever like to chat to me about it or reach out or ask any questions or need any pointers in the right direction or anything at all, as always, I am an open book. Reach out to me anywhere, jason at munronutrition.com or through Instagram or whatever. So there, a nice short episode to get us back into it. Um, Oh yeah, and if you are around on the, I'm sure it is the 28th of January if that's a Saturday, yep. If you are around on the 28th of January, I will be at Civic House in Glasgow at the Sober Buzz event. Again, if you are sober or sober curious and you want to come spend the day hanging out with some inspirational people doing big things in the sober community, um, see some experts, hear some talks, meet us, uh... Yeah, I'm fucking shitting myself, to be perfectly honest. I've been a nutritionist for five years and the first thing I get asked to speak at is a bloody thing about something I've been doing for four months that has nothing to do with nutrition, almost. (laughs) Anyway, thank you for listening. I will see you next time.